Amen. Amen. Well, hey there. How's it going? Great. Thank you. Um, sorry, I don't know why I do that. It's so stupid. Um, never seen more shorts in my life, though. This is weird. I forgot that that was even a pair of clothing we could own. So, uh, but it's beautiful out. I'm glad you're in here, though, for this short time that we have together. Uh, it's going to be a great night together. And afterwards, even, uh, we're going to be sharing a meal together as we celebrate uh, the lives that Jesus has changed. Uh, and we're going to do that through baptism. And for many of you, you've become believers. You have been baptized. You've professed your faith in Jesus in that way, and, and that's been a really powerful moment in your life. And so um, we're going to look at that tonight as well as specifically talk about baptism uh, because there are six people getting baptized here tonight. We want to celebrate the grace of God in their life and to hear their story. Um, and so, but tonight in, in this time that we have together, I would love to just briefly explore what baptism is what baptism is. And in order to do that, I want us to look at Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, and uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. You'll see on the screen uh, where the page number is in the Bible under your seat if you're using one of those. But we're going to be in Romans 6 and Matthew 3. Uh, so Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Paul writes this to these believers in Rome. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Well, I think in order to understand what Paul is so beautifully saying here about baptism, we need to understand something else, and that is Jesus' baptism. It's Jesus' baptism, because Jesus' baptism tells us so much about what is happening here in this passage in Romans. We are told here that we are baptized into Christ. That's what this says. We are baptized into Christ. So we must first understand Christ, right? And his baptism, I think, reveals so much to us about what this means to be baptized into Christ. Jesus' baptism is a really popular thing as well, because Jesus' baptism occurs in all four gospel accounts, which there are very, very few things that occur in every gospel account. And so if it's in every single gospel account, you and I, alarm bells should be going off saying, hey, this is a really important thing that we must understand. So why is Jesus' baptism so important? Let's look at that really quick in Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we see here in this account, 
of Jesus' baptism, that people are going out to this river to be baptized by this prophet named John. And it says they're going out there, if you read the rest of the passage around it, because they're desiring to repent of their sins, to be baptized, to have their sins cleansed, which is interesting. Because then all of us, if we're, if we're thinking well about this account of Jesus, we would ask, why was Jesus being baptized then? Why was he being baptized? Because if you read the gospel accounts, you know that Jesus had nothing that he needed to be forgiven of. So why would Jesus be going out to the river to be baptized if he was pure, if he was without flaw? Why was he baptized? Well, Jesus is showing us two things in his baptism that you and I must understand if we're going to understand Romans chapter 6. He's showing us, first, what he came to do, and secondly, he's showing us whose he was. He's showing us what he came to do, and secondly, whose he was. So what did Jesus come to do? Again, everyone is going out to this river. They're, they're seeking to have their sins dealt with by being baptized by this prophet, John the Baptist. They're going out, and they're going under the water, and the idea is that as they're going under the water, their sins are being washed into the river, so to speak. And so they're desiring to repent and to have their sins forgiven of them. And so when Jesus goes out to be baptized, he goes out to be baptized and he says to John, I need to do this because John says, no, I should be, you should be the one baptizing me. And he goes, no, I need to do this. It is to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, the answer is that Jesus is going out and being baptized to show what he was going to go through one day on the cross. Jesus is going out to the river and being baptized because he is identifying himself with the sins of God's people. He is identifying himself with the sins of God's people. He is identifying himself with broken humanity. And that moment is a moment he's pointing towards this moment on the cross when Jesus would satisfy the justice of God for those sins so that we could receive full and final forgiveness from God. So Jesus is showing us in his baptism what he came to do, and that is to identify with sinful people, to identify with broken people, people that God loves and people that God sent Jesus to redeem. That's what Jesus is doing. But secondly, this is showing us whose he was. Because this is this like primary passage here where we get to see the triune God on full display. That we see Jesus go into the water. And as he's coming out of the water, there is this audible voice so that everyone could hear. And you hear God the Father say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then apparently... The Spirit descends on him, it says, like a dove, which doesn't mean there was this literal dove like falling on Jesus, right? That's not what this is meaning because it says like a dove. It'd be like in a situation where you're looking at something and you're like, what is that? And someone would go, I don't know, it looks kind of like a dove, right? So they're like, all right, we'll write that down. It looks like a dove. That's what, that's what this is happening here. Like the Spirit, the point is the Spirit is descending upon him and it's not leaving him. It is anointing Jesus for this ministry he's about to do, saying, this is the one that God has promised to send all along. This is the Messiah. So here in this account of Jesus' baptism, we see 
whose Jesus is. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Son of the Most High God. And now because Jesus, the Son of God, has left heaven and has humbled himself and has come to this earth and he's identified himself with us in our brokenness and in our sin because he identified himself with us when we place our faith in his sacrificial and sufficient work for us in the cross and we place our hope in the empty tomb, we are united to Jesus. We're united to Jesus. And this is such good and important news because this means that all that Jesus did in his life then, all of his success and his perfection and his fulfillment of the law, everything is applied to us. And all of your sin and shame is applied to him. This is the the beautiful exchange, if you will, that Jesus takes our sin and our shame and in return, he gives us his beauty and his perfection. That's that's what's happening when when we hear this wonderful news in Romans chapter 6. Paul is saying in these verses of Romans that baptism then is showing the world what? Our union with Jesus. It's showing the world our union with Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, has identified himself with us. And we now, through faith, identify with him. That we have been buried with him, it says, and risen with him. That whatever happened to Jesus is now happening to us. See, this is a a radical thought. This is really different than what most of us think following Jesus is. Or this is a very different thought than what most of us think Christianity really is. I fear often we think our faith and we think the act of baptism is really more about this declaration that, that you've been living your life and that things are not too bad, but there are some small gaps, and you have called upon Jesus to fill those gaps in your life. That we look to Jesus to basically become another one of our influences. We often don't think of our Christian life and the act of baptism as a moment of really losing our identity in Christ and taking upon His. I, um, I love searching for new music. I've done this for the longest time, and now, especially with something like Spotify, you can just get lost in music for hours. I love like listening to an artist, and then if you've ever been on Spotify or something, you see all the related artists that are like them, and you're like, I don't know who that is, and you click on that artist, and you start listening to their music, and you click on someone else you don't know, and you can just get lost in this like web of music you've never heard of in your entire life. It's so fun. Hours later, you're like, what happened, right, to the time, okay? But one thing I really enjoy doing when I click on someone I don't know is I like to click on their bio. And I like to read their bio before I listen to their music because so often in that bio, it'll say this person is influenced by this other musician or band or artist. I just think that's so fascinating because then when you start listening to that person's music, you go, oh, I hear a little James Taylor in there. or I hear Bob Dylan or whatever if it lists them as an influence in their life, okay? I, I, this, is, this is so fascinating to me. And I think many of us, we view following Jesus in that way, right? That, that, that we are, are people, that, that we've got our lives going on, and that we are doing our thing, and that all of a sudden, we are people who are influenced by Jesus, and he, there's like these notes of Jesus coming out in our lives. But that's not what Romans is, is showing us here. 
I mean, can we just do just really quickly a, a dumb little uh, case study? Okay, let's just do a, a little tiny case study, okay? Let's just say you're a struggling, mediocre musician, okay? And you are on Spotify now, all right? And if I click on your bio, it lists in your influence U2, okay? I don't even like U2, so I wouldn't listen to your music, sorry. Bullish, everyone knows U2, right? They're a very successful, famous band, okay? Let's just say you say, I'm influenced by U2. And so you're doing your, your thing, and, and we're listening to your music, and we're going, okay, I hear, yeah, I hear a little U2 in there. I hear some, some Bono in there, or whatever. And we're, we're hearing these influences of, of U2 in your life, and you're like, this is amazing, right? I'm influenced by you too. I'm trying to do my own thing. I'm adding this influence to my life. I'm, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to earn a greater, greater audience, a lot more widespread audience. But let's just say one day Bono comes knocking on your door. He says, hey, I got a proposal for you. I have an invitation for you. We, we want you to join the band. We, we want you to join you too. All right? But this is the thing. You've got to put to death that, that side project thing you got going on. The Josh Howith band needs to die. You can't work on that anymore. No, instead, you're joining you two, and instead, all of our success, everything we've ever done is now given to you. You just get to enjoy being a part of you two. But no longer can you work on this side project band that you're doing just trying to add us as a simple influence to your life. See, that's what Romans is talking about here. It's definitely talking about more than that, but definitely not less than that. See, baptism is the sign to the world that you are not simply influenced by Jesus. You're not simply living your life and we're like, oh, yeah, there's Dan, there's old Dan, but there's little notes here and there of Jesus. No, we're, 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 we're saying that our lives are being wrapped up in this union with him. You have a new name. You have a new identity. You have been buried with Christ and have risen to walk in new life. You've been united to Jesus that everything you did was applied to him. And everything he has done is applied to you. It's this beautiful exchange. See, in baptism, the gospel is seen. We hear it proclaimed, but when we see a baptism, that is the gospel Seen. It is the gospel on display. See, tonight, this isn't simply just a declaration of faith. Although baptism is, hear me clearly, the baptism is the means of grace that God has given us as a sign to the world that we are believers in Jesus as the Son of God. This is, this act of baptism, if you've become a Christian, this is your profession of faith. As First Peter says, your appeal to God that you really believe this message, that Jesus is the Son of God. But this is also a beautiful expression that, that not only do we love God, but that God has extravagantly loved us. Our baptism is an extravagant declaration of God's pursuing extraordinary otherworldly love for us. See, it's a sign that Jesus is still pursuing people from every tribe and tongue and nation, and he is gathering people for himself.
It's a sign that God is on the move. We see the power of the gospel of God made visible in baptism. And see, many of us remember our baptism. Right? I can think back to when I was six and when I failed to close my mouth and I came out of the water doing that I'm drowning belch thing that you do when you're swimming and, and you awkwardly drink too much water. I did that in my baptism. I can think back to my baptism and I can remember that baptism, right? It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life forever, okay? Until I got to puberty and then there's a lot more embarrassing moments, okay? <laughs> but, the, but this moment of my life, I can think back to my baptism. That's so, it's so meaningful to me. I, I remember God's grace in my life even as a young child and I've experienced it all along the way. And so many of you, you think back to your baptism, and it's powerful. But tonight, we have an invitation to draw our eyes outwards and, and to look at the gospel made visible in other people's lives, in, in their baptism, to see how God is powerfully working again. And this is an incredible grace of God for us. It really is. Uh, I remember when I was young, we would... Be, I'd be somewhere with my dad, uh, we'd be driving or whatever, and I remember my dad would always, when a plane was overhead, he'd go, Josh, look at the plane. And every time I'd look up and i go, wow, look at that plane. You know as a kid what I'm talking about? You're like, wow, that's amazing. People can fly in the sky. You're filled with such awe and wonder and amazement as a kid. But, but I, the, the day came, and you all know what I'm talking about, where my dad said, Josh, look at the plane. And in my mind, I was like, I've seen it like a thousand times, like who really cares anymore about planes? Like the awe of seeing a plane in the air was gone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yet, yet just yesterday, me and my family, we were driving on Marine Drive over by the Portland Airport. If you ever driven on Marine Drive, it's amazing because planes just come like plowing through there and landing. They're, they're right there, they're enormous, they're loud, and I'm sitting there going, hey, I was doing what my dad did. Look at the plane, guys. Check, check out that plane over there. And my kids, I just looked in their eyes like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing thing. Look at that plane, like we can fly, right? Like we can get in an airplane and go above the clouds. Like that's amazing. And I'm sitting there so close to that plane, feeling its power. I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is amazing. Like we can fly. Like this is awesome. Planes are amazing. Even later on the day, we're out in the backyard and my, my youngest son, Gus, points out to me a plane in the sky. He's like, dad, look, a plane. And I'm like, you're right. That's amazing. And I genuinely was in that moment feeling like a little kid again. I was like, you're right, this is incredible. Right? I, I lost my awe for, for airplanes. And I'm not really saying I've gotten it fully back, but at the same time, being that near to a plane, being around young kids who, who are seeing anew this concept of a plane flying through the sky, and that'll, that'll cultivate some renewed awe in your life for what you're seeing. And I think for some of you tonight, the gospel, all that Jesus has done for you, has maybe lost its awe. You've thought of your own baptism many times, and that's been a powerful thing in your life. And as you've looked back upon your baptism, you, you sit there and you're like, yeah, I've, I've seen this plane a thousand times. It's, it's, it's just my baptism. But, but, but get up close tonight and watch people as they enter through these waters of baptism and tell you the story of what God has done in their life. 
God, this is a means of grace for us in our lives to, to renew that awe that God is still alive and that God is on the move as they declare their union with Jesus tonight. See, tonight we get to see Jake and Justin and, and Lindsay and Sean and Yotum and Harry profess their faith in Jesus, profess their union with Jesus, that, that they have died, that they have lost themselves, that they have they have been buried with Christ and they have risen to walk in new life. That they're not adding Jesus to their life just to improve their old self, but they are displaying their death to themselves, that they are raised to a brand new life, that Jesus isn't just an influence in their life, that Jesus is everything to them. That they've been given a new heart, they've been given a new foundation, that the Spirit of God who's reorienting their heart and motives and desires and dreams to be more aligned with his dream for their life and for the rest of the world. And and guys, as you're being baptized tonight, as you go under the water, as you profess your faith in this newfound union with Jesus, of him taking your shame and you taking his perfect life, when you come out of those waters, like you get to hear God's voice over your life. This is my son. This is my daughter. I am well pleased with them. I am well pleased with them. Your approval as a child of God, your newfound approval that you have in the eyes of God that can never be taken away from you, because that approval and that status can never be taken away from Jesus. It never can. And your life is now hidden with Christ. You've been united to him. See, ultimately, this evening is about Jesus. He's the reason that we're here. He's the reason we have hope. He's the reason that that these people are passing through these waters. God has been such a gracious God. And I pray our hearts are stirred tonight with affection for Jesus as we go into our time of response. So if you would, let's all stand to our feet. And if you would, pray with me as we, we go into a time of singing and a time of communion, and even a time of prayer. God, we do want to ask you tonight 